I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me for season two of our beloved podcast are my friends and colleagues, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And gentlemen, the Premier League starts a week from Friday. That's August 5th with Arsenal and Crystal Palace, 3 p.m. kickoff here in the States in the Eastern time zone. But before we do that, before we get to that, we have a boatload of preview content. This is your mega preview, your English Premier League mega betting preview. Then on Monday, we did a Premier League points total draft episode with Alan Shapiro of the FML FPL podcast. Tuesday, you two gentlemen will have a preview podcast, a betting preview for the other European leagues. And then Thursday, back in our regular rhythm, week one betting preview, looking at all 10 Premier League games for match week one doing our little jaunt around Europe, giving out our best bets, our favorite underdogs. You know the drill by now, so let's just jump right to it. Before I bring these two gentlemen in, let's just run through the odds for the 2022-2023 English Premier League season. These are to win odds. Man City, odds on favorite, once again, minus 165. Liverpool, second choice, plus 250. Spurs, they've shortened all the way to 12-1. to Chelsea, 16-1. to Man United, 28-1. to Arsenal, 35-1. to Those are your big six. And then we jump right into triple digits, starting with Newcastle at 100 to 1, Leicester, Villa, West Ham, 200 to 1 each, Everton, 250 to 1, also Brighton, 250 to 1. And then we're getting real deep here Palace, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, Leeds, Southampton, Wolves, all 500 to 1, Fulham and Bournemouth, they're both 1,000 to 1. And we always run into this problem with the Premier League, right? Because we know, we know how these title races go. So the title market usually isn't the most exhilarating bet to make, right? Are you going to lay minus 165 with Man City? Are you going to play plus 250 on Liverpool? You know, Spurs, Chelsea, 12 to 1, 16 to 1. Other than that, like, it's just unrealistic to imagine another team gate crashing. Of course, this is the league that famously had a 5,000 to 1 winner just a couple of years ago, about five years ago. So, Anthony, I'll start with you. Just looking at the title odds, all three of us are pretty much in agreement. It's There's not much to play here, but what sticks out to you? I think it has to be the love for Spurs in the market. You know, Spurs have gotten so much credit and, you know, they've had a good summer. I don't think they've had a a splash. Wow. Kind of summer where you're like, 
wow, Spurs are going to really take a huge step forward this year. But it also should be noted that Spurs in the second half of last season weren't that far behind the level of City and Liverpool. They played not to their level, but close enough to the point where you could say, okay, maybe there's a chance that they were to, you know, things were to really break right. Um, But I, I really don't see Spurs breaking into that top two particularly well. I think the biggest thing you can make is one, you can't lay money minus 160 for the entire season on a title future. That's just not a good use of your money. You know, put it in the stock market, do something else with it uh, because, uh, or maybe don't, but, but, you know, there's better ways to tie up all your money uh, than laying minus 160 on a Premier League title future. But I do think you can make the case that City and Liverpool aren't that different. I think based on last season alone, you could say Liverpool expected goals difference. We watched them play three times uh, last season, and all three of those games were extremely highly competitive, two draws, and then Liverpool win in the FA Cup. So we can say, hey, you know, we're going to see them play next week. I don't think it's the going to learn a ton from that match, but if Holland gets hurt a couple of times and he misses 10, 15 games and City does slip up here and there, I don't think it would take too much for Liverpool to win the league. So I, I think that's the only bet I would make. I don't think the number is good enough for me to play. I, I, it's not good enough, but I think you can make a case for Liverpool being just as good or very close to as good as City and then putting a bet on them, but not not quite for me. Yeah, I think you said it. The, the love for Tottenham is the story. If you look at the kind of big picture betting board 12 to one and it was 14 to one just a couple of days ago 28 to one basically pre transfer market stuff so the number just keeps crashing I actually think that the gap between Tottenham City and then Tottenham and then City and Liverpool is is pretty small relative to what we've usually seen I have a different bet we'll get to later with Spurs um, that I like rather than playing 12 I think 12 to one is, is just way way too short unless you're a Spurs fan um, and you just want to have a little skin in the game, by all means, go for it. Um, because they should be the third best team. Uh, and if you know one of these guys fall off, who knows? Doors open. Yeah, I think you can make a case maybe like a top at Christmas type bet. You know, even in the Mourinho season when they weren't that good, because Kane and Sone are the you know very prolific finishers, and Larice has traditionally been a great stop, shot stopper. There's a world where they run really well and they get to that level that City and Liverpool are at. City and Liverpool both breaking in new strikers this season. Could be a little bit of continuity there, issue there early in the season, World Cup as well. So you can make the case that they're in the mix, but I don't ultimately see them holding for 38 matches. Right. All right, BJ, what about you? Just kind of a 30,000 foot view of the betting board, the title race as we get going here. Yeah, I mean, is the like the, for City and Liverpool, is the pretty much the exact same odds as last year. So if you really felt strongly about one of the two last year, then you might as well go. I mean, I would like Anthony said, I would never lay minus one sixty with Manchester City. I do think there might be an opportunity, kind of going off of your Tottenham top at Christmas type bet, where if you wait throughout the season, you might be able to get a better number on City or Liverpool. You know, we've seen it two years ago at Christmas, Manchester City was eighth. And then I went on this crazy run and they won the league by 17 points, I believe it was, or 15 points. So these teams like Liverpool and City can just pull off these crazy type runs where I don't think Chelsea or Tottenham or Arsenal or Manchester City or Manchester United are really capable of doing that at this point. I mean, you said it, they're in a class of their own right now. The Chelsea line is kind of interesting to me. I'll get to Chelsea in a second, but if that floats to 20 to one, I might have to play Chelsea. I understand they've looked bad in preseason. 
They overperformed last year. There a, a lot went wrong for them last year. I mean, they did overperform, but then they had they had to change owners. They had injuries. They, they had Lukaku situation. They had just a whole bunch of things happened. And guess what? They still finished third. They still finished with the third best expected goal differential. And now they just added one of the most underrated center backs in the entire world uh, in Koulibaly from Napoli. So I, I don't hate Chelsea if they float to 20 to one. I don't, I highly doubt you're going to get that price on them. You'll, but... you'll get it after they lose to Everton in match right, week one. Exactly. You match week one, you might get it after that. But yeah. And, and also, I mean, in terms of a long shot, I, I view a long shot as anything 25 to one or, or greater. I'd say Arsenal of the, all the long shots has the, the best shot of any of them yep. uh, with, with the transfer uh, activity they made, they should not be priced below United. That's just crazy. I, I don't understand that at all. So if you wanted to play a long shot, I would say Arsenal is like legitimately the only team that has a chance to actually win the league, but City and Liverpool are in a class of their own. You might, if there's just a situation and this is probably going to probably not going to happen, but if a team other than Liverpool or City about two months into the season is at the top of the table. And those two have kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, injuries play a factor into this, but you might get a good number on them because these teams are capable of just ripping off 10, 11 wins in a row. So uh, we'll get into a lot of things uh, later on in the show, but with the jam pack schedule and the world cup and everything like that. But yeah, the title futures uh, really have no interest for me this year. All right. Uh, so then let's move on to top four odds. Once they're correlated, obviously, to the title futures, right? Like, so it's it's tough to to squeeze value out of here. There, there's one team that I think is interesting as as a long shot, and that would be Crystal Palace, uh, just because I we we saw them last year, we fell in love with this team last year. Are they going to finish in the top four? Almost certainly not. But they're thirty five to one to finish top four. I think you can obviously then go top six or or top half, and you'll just find value. I think on Palace. Um, in, in basically any future market top four is definitely asking too much, but I just think that after, after city Spurs and uh, Liverpool, I can see the the door kind of opening because there's just a lot of question marks around Chelsea. You, you talked about it, BJ with all the off field stuff last year, there could just be a lot of chaos. And Thomas Tuchel is the type of guy who, who just wants to be able to control everything. If that goes South and Tuchel falls out of favor with the new ownership group, things get off to a slow start for Chelsea. I could just see that season going haywire. Obviously, we know United and Arsenal both have have some serious blow up potential. And then I don't view Palace as I kind of view them in that next tier. I think Newcastle and Villa are better than them. West Ham are better than them, but they're not that far off. So I just think that there's a path for for Palace to go up the table, Uh, whether it be we saw like Wolves and Burnley qualify for Europe over the past few years. Right. Like we'll see that happen in this league. So I just think that there's there's kind of a ramp for Palace. Top four is probably asking too much, but in terms of the rest of the odds, like I don't see another number here that that is even close to appealing for me. So I'll stick with the Eagles as as my favorite play there. What about you, BJ? Yeah, so I do actually like Chelsea minus one thirty five for top four. So generally, the top four is basically just for the big six. So going back all the way twenty years uh, in the past, only three times uh, have a team outside of the top six or the big six crash the top four Newcastle 2002 2003 your Everton Toffees 2004 2005 they had a minus one uh, goal differential that year I found that kind of interesting that's David um, Moyes ball baby yeah the David Moyes ball and then obviously Leicester when they won the title uh, in 2015-16 so uh, it's kind I mean you could say it's a fool's errand to, to bet long shots for top four I, I agree with you Michael that there definitely is some value on some teams like Crystal Palace and Brentford for top four I mean 
Uh, we'll talk about them later. I have more interest in betting them in, you know, in better markets like a top 10. But Chelsea's interesting because I think the moves they made this offseason are, are fantastic. Uh, Raheem Sterling kind of went under the radar as a signing. He was really, he's still really, really good for City last year. 0.67 XG per 90 scoring rate. That was good for about fifth or sixth in the Premier League. So you add him along Kai Havertz and a bunch of other attackers that Chelsea has. And then shoring themselves up in defense with Kubali, it looks like, um, you know, they missed out on Kunde who went to Barcelona, but they're still going to be in the market for another center back. So uh, I do believe that Chelsea, I, I have Tottenham and Chelsea projected right on with each other about 79 points. And then there's about a 14 point drop off to Arsenal at 65. So, you know, 538 has Chelsea, I believe at uh, minus 150 for top four. So I do think you're getting, a decent amount of value on the blues who I view as pretty much the third or fourth best team in the premier league by a pretty, pretty wide margin. So Chelsea top four at minus minus one thirty five is the most realistic bet that I believe still has some value on the board. You know, I was just talking about the, the blow up potential with Chelsea. Cause I, I do think it's there, but they also obviously have a, a very, very high ceiling. And we right. see this usually every season where it was Liverpool last year, where everyone kind of just like step off a team they'll expect them to take a step backwards. The team kind of becomes maybe a little boring to talk about. I think Chelsea is that team this year where they're just going to fly completely under the radar. Spurs is sucking up all that oxygen. Uh, and then obviously the city Liverpool thing is just being expected. So Chelsea, I think does have some uh, under the radar potential. I just don't think the numbers there that like you were saying before, like, can we get a 20 on Chelsea maybe in a couple of weeks? You know, if, if, if things kind of like hold, hold, if everyone kind of holds serve at the top, but yeah, they're, they're just a, an interesting team in, in that regard, because I, I think a team like Chelsea, you just never expect them to fly under the radar, but they kind of are right now just because of, you know, the, the other teams that are in the room. Anthony, what about you for top four? I think I agree on Chelsea being a little bit overlooked. Generally speaking, you know, people aren't really lumping them in with the top two because they aren't, in my opinion. And Chelsea is a team that I've faded quite a bit in the second half and, and most of the last season. I think this whole podcast did. Uh, I disagree a little bit on the sense that they had a great summer. I don't think they addressed their biggest weakness, which was midfield. Conte, Kovacic, and Jorginho are all aging. Conte and Jorginho, especially now on the wrong side of 30, a lot of minutes logged, and they both missed a lot of time last year. Conte was under 20, 2090s last year, only 19 and change uh, in terms of, of matches played. So I think there's a real concern that they didn't properly address that. And you could say that Connor Gallagher was the solution to that, but I'm not quite buying that either. When you look at his type of game, he's someone who relies on not being on the ball a ton, showing up in the right places, adding a goal scoring and assisting punch on the edge of the box. It's not really what Chelsea needs. They have somebody like Mason Mount who does a lot of that from a more advanced position. I don't really know if Gallagher is equipped to play in a two, and I don't think they're going to play him in a three. So I'm not really sure what his role is. I'm, I'm really interested to see how he fits into this Tuchel system. But I have my doubts about Chelsea's midfield being able to stay healthy. And I think that's the biggest question mark with them. I don't think they'll be the most injured team in the league. They were one of the most injured teams last year. So that's that's one reason to say, hey, you know, probably should cool it. Like, I don't think they're in, going, to go, going to go into free fall. Uh, but I just think everybody around them got better. I think Spurs got better. I think Arsenal got better. And I do think Man United is going to be better this year. So on that front alone, I'm kind of skeptical of Chelsea's chances of getting top four. I think if I have to bet this, I'm going to go small on Arsenal plus 150. I love the move they made getting Gabriel Jesus. I think we've seen him at City 
have a finishing issue that may always persist, but I think he, he does other enough other things to link the play and to uh, come short and, and pass it and, and fit that Arteta kind of style to overcome those potential finishing deficiencies. Because I think at this point in his career, we have enough of a sample to say he's never going to be an above average finisher, but he may have an okay season and that may be enough because he was getting 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 per 90 at one point at City. He didn't get that the last two years, but I do like what Arsenal's done. I think the gap between them, Chelsea and Spurs, and even if United is pushing up again, I think it's pretty small. And so at plus 150, there's four spots, two teams. I, I think they're, you know, maybe two and a half if I have to rank them, you know, a little bit behind Spurs and a little bit behind Chelsea, but not much. So I'm going to go with Arsenal there uh, to get into the top four and return to the Champions League. All right, uh, let's move on to the top six market. Uh, there's one thing I want to note. Uh, some sports books will deal um, winner without the big six, and you might be able to get better odds on, on long shots, betting it that way rather than just betting a top six ticket. So just shop around and, and, and kind of do the logic in your head, uh, which brings me to, back to Crystal Palace. Yeah, I like uh, Aston Villa in that market, but we'll get to them later. Yeah. Palace last year, I, I don't want to say that they were unlucky, but they they were unlucky. A lot, I think a lot of times we, we kind of convolute luck and talent and if, if Crystal Palace had just a little bit more talent, they probably would have been a little bit luckier because they were creating chances. They were, they were generally outplaying their opposition. They just, some games would finish nil, nil or one, one because they just didn't have a, a, enough game breakers to, to steal the results uh, against, against teams that, that did six best expected goal differential in the premier league last year. That's ahead of United. It was ahead of Brighton. It was ahead of West Ham. You could make the argument that Palace was probably like in terms of just how they played the seventh or eighth best team in the Premier League last year. A little bit better luck, a little bit of better waveform. We're talking about Palace finishing in that kind of area of the table. So I know they lose Connor Gallagher, but their summer business has been pretty encouraging. They have a great center back partnership. They solidified their goalkeeping position. They still have enough scoring depth with, with Zaha, Eze, Michael Elise, Mateta, Benteke. Like you, there's enough goals in this team. So I think there's just a path for Palace to get there. Their top six odds are nine to one. But if you bet Palace to win the Premier League without the big six, they're 14 to one. I like both of those. Uh, Anthony, you already spoiled it, but you have a different team that you're looking at here. I mean, I'm not disagreeing on Palace, but I'm going to go with Aston Villa. I think for for similar reason, for, for similar reasons, they have the most depth of all these teams in that little group. You know, and for me, it, it is the top six, and I fully expect them to finish one to six. Uh, that's how I have them rated. I think BJ does too. And when when it comes to seventh, it's actually kind of hard. Like I don't think there is a clear seventh. You could make an argument for Palace. You could make an argument that right now it may not be Newcastle, but by August, by September first, it may well be, depending on who they add. I'm a little hesitant on that. I'm not buying the Newcastle hype at the moment, but. The one team that I am buying who improved quite a bit throughout the course of last season is Aston Villa. Now their point total is lined at 51 and a half. So it is a little bit lower uh, than a couple of teams around them, namely uh, West Ham. So they're a little bit lower, a little bit lower, but not much. Uh, and so I think at six to one, what I like about Villa is that they strengthen the defense, adding Diego Carlos to play next to Tyrone Mings. So that's a that's an upgrade. Luca Digne, Michael's guy, you know, he provided a pretty strong crossing punch for them last season once he joined the club. And I think that really helped un- open up their attack just a little bit. And of course, Gerard 
This is what he was known for at his past jobs. When he took over, the first thing that happened, they stopped conceding chances. The defense made huge strides. And in the second half of the season, I know they didn't finish in the top half of the table, but they played like the eighth, ninth best team in the league under Gerrard. So I don't think Villa could take a step forward. They have a full season of Coutinho now. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing all the buy signals on them. And like I said, with the depth, West Ham stayed remarkably healthy last year. Depth questions with them now uh, with, uh, you know, also being in Europe. So that's an issue. Leicester hasn't really added anybody. I'm pretty skeptical on them. And then Brighton has lost a couple of players and hasn't made much of an addition yet. I do like Caicedo in the midfield, but they they do have some question marks as well. So I think Villa at six to one is worth a shot to be the seventh best team. But I also definitely don't hate a look on Palace. I bet them to be in the top 10. All right, BJ, what about you? Well, I actually am going to go a little different route here. Um, I'm going to go not to make the top six, and it's going to be Manchester United at, at plus 165. I don't buy the Ten Hag hype one bit right now because I'm, I'm in. I'm not in at all. He does not have the personnel to run his system. If you really think about how he played at Ajax, he overwhelmed teams in the Eredivisie. They played a pretty weak group in the Champions League. I mean, let's be honest. They were able to overwhelm teams. Wait, wait, really, wait a minute. Are you going to say Ajax wasn't actually that good? Well, they were good, but they were an easy group. I'm not <laughs> saying they didn't run through the game last year. I mean, they didn't run through the group of death. I mean, they ran through Dortmund, Sporting, and Besiktas. And let's be honest, that's, that's not a, that's not that great of a group. But my point is, is that Ajax dominates possession. Okay, they held 62 percent in the Eredivisie. Thirty eight percent of that possession was in the opponent's final third. So they basically just have everybody going forward. They're very reliant on their wingbacks getting forward and and really helping out the attack. And then also when they're out of possession, they're very reliant on pressing really quick, getting the ball back quickly. We saw last season that United had no interest in pressing as a team. I mean, they were 12th in passes per defensive action under Ragnick, 14th in high turnovers forced. So suddenly the same, essentially the same group of players is going to buy into a system where they're just going to press, press, press. No, that's not going to happen. I, th- I mean, you lose Paul Pogba, who was, I understand he was injured for most of the season, but you saw without Paul Pogba how bad United was in transition. I mean, Scott McTominay and Fred were terrible for large stretches of the season. So now suddenly United, who had an even expected goal differential, is going to make the leap and really contend for the top four. No, that's not going to happen. And if this team truly gets off to a bad start, I mean, it's going to crater. We saw how much it just fell off for them last season. So, I mean, their point total is 65 and a half, which is obviously way too high. They should not be priced above Arsenal. And, you know, to Michael's point, if a team like a Crystal Palace or an Aston Villa, one of these teams that's not playing in Europe and with our condensed schedule, with a World Cup and everything like mm-hmm. that, it's very likely that United gets burnt out and that these players don't buy into Ten Hag system and we're sitting here as we go into the World Cup, and United's in the bottom half of the table. And guess what? Cristiano Ronaldo is begging for a transfer. So I don't get the United hype. I don't think Ten Hag has the players to fit his system. Eventually, he might. Eventually, he might get the system right, you know, going in the right direction. United might become a top four contender. But right now, no, this team is not even close to the top four. So I think you're getting a decent price uh, on United to finish outside the top six at plus 165. I've been very excited for the Premier League to come back, but listening to you right there, BJ, just took it up at an extra level. I just can't well, wait now. I guess we um, have to talk about United now. Do yeah, we but, have to do that? Because like I don't yeah, know. I, I want to hear. I want to hear your your uh, belief in Ten Hag. I, I think before we get to you, Anthony, I think your point, BJ, is the right way to actually just look at this market as a whole. 
the top six is someone needs to fall out of the big six for there to be an opening for, um, you know, a value side to get through, whether it's, you know, Newcastle Villa, West Ham, Palace, Everton, whoever you want to, whoever you want to throw in there. And I think that United's floor of those six teams is miles below the other five teams of the big six. But I do think that there is a world here where it, it clicks. Uh, yeah, no, and, it can definitely happen. I just, I don't see the personnel being able to click after what we saw under Regnick. I mean, they had no interest in pressing as a team. So yeah, suddenly I think, they're just going to buy in now. I, I, I think, think last that's, year I think was a like, kind of a, yeah, it was like a lame Every, duck. Everything went wrong. Right. It was like a lame duck kind of season for them, I believe. Okay. So um, yeah, I, I definitely don't think that, I, I think that if, if you're looking at it from last year, after like the first three weeks of Ragnick, when they're like, what is this guy even doing here? He's a con- still a consultant. Like it, there, it was just such a strange season that it's kind of hard to, to read into yeah. what happened there. Um, the, the, the biggest thing is they did improve. There was like a six to seven match stretch. And I know the schedule wasn't that good, right. <laughs> but, and we had this conversation on the pod. I remember saying like, Hey, look guys, like United's like kind of taking a step forward. There was the Southampton game, the Burnley game. Uh, there was another couple of games in there, Brighton game, where they they played well and they were doing the things that Ragnick wanted, and they they ha- they got football a couple of times. They didn't get the results, uh, and then you could you could see it. I mean, the rolling XG chart, it was like okay, we're down, down, down. We fire Ole. Now we're, I mean, it was a little bit of a, a wobble, and then straight up they improved, and then like a cliff, they just fell off the cliff. And and I think to that point, it was yeah, we're 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 quitting on on Ralph, like this, who's this guy? He's not going to be here next year. He's not going to be our manager. Uh, they had all these other issues. The Ronaldo saga is an interesting one because I, I don't think Ronaldo is as net positive for United. And I will take that to the grave, especially in a 10 hog system where you kind of do need the forward to do some defensive work. So that that's an interesting one. The other thing is I feel like we're, we're selling low here on United, you know, at this point last season, we looked at a very similar squad and said, yeah, they should be fourth or fifth. And I understand, like I said, Spurs and Arsenal have gotten better. I thought United was going to comfortably finish fourth last year going into the season and everything went wrong, right? And they still managed to get six. They weren't actually six, but. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So I think the argument here for United is, look, we know how good Jaden Sancho is. We know how good Bruno Fernandez is. Fred actually didn't have a terrible season. McTominay is not great, but they did make some additions with Lissandro Martinez, good ball playing center back. Harry Maguire can't be as bad as he was last year. That's another thing. Maguire went from one of the best center backs, not just in the league, but in the world. I mean, he had a great Euro, I thought, and then just turns into a pumpkin, you know? So I don't think he's... A pumpkin. Uh, I think he'll be fine. 
And so all these, all these kind of things that went wrong for United, I'm not saying I'm buying United because the number hasn't given them a lot of respect. I thought I was going to get like a plus 250 to finish top four, and then I was going to have to bet it, and I was going to hate it. But at 65 and a half, the point total set in a space where I can just say, ah, I'll pass. But I'm not selling United, even if I'm not necessarily you know, buying them at the current number. I think we're all in agreement that you should, we should be flipping United and Arsenal uh, just on the big board here. Yes, um, but it's close. Like, I don't think it's a huge Yeah, gap. I mean, the, the odds are, are, are close, 28 to 1 or 35 to 1. Don't, they, they tell you that those two teams are, are very close, but I think the wrong number on the wrong team. Uh, all right, I also like Arsenal's squad just generally being one of the youngest teams in the league. Adding Zinchenko, I think he adds important depth in certain areas. William Saliba, I know BJ's very excited about him from mm-hmm. the Marseille, oh, yeah. one of the greatest clubs of all time. You know, he could was make the reason step- they finished second. Yep, yeah, correct. we could say that. Can't wait for them in the Champions League. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll see with Arsenal. But I do think that when you have a squad this young and they're trending up in the right direction, all you need is one or two players to take a leap. Someone like Martinelli or Saka who took a step last year, if they take a leap, we could be having a very different conversation about Arsenal. Come May, that's why I took them some person top four. All right, uh, let's move to top 10 here. Uh, same kind of saga dance with Palace. They're plus 275. I think all three of us like there. I, I like a team to not finish in the top 10. Uh, that's Leicester City, but I have a lot more to say about them, so I'll save it. But I think at, at even odds, um, getting even odds on them to finish in the bottom half is is a good bet. BJ, what do you have here? Yeah, I love Brentford 5-1 to one for top 10. Uh, you know, second league, second year in the Premier League is, you know, generally teams start to dip a little bit, but I think Brentford's one of these clubs that's a little bit different. So last season, one of the biggest underperformers along with Palace, you know, about a 10 point differential between their actual points and their expected points. Now you can make the argument that towards the end of the season, Christian Erickson coming in made a gigantic difference and was the reason that basically they finished with a minus 1.3 expected goal differential, which was eighth in the premier league. And, you know, if you look at the on-off splits, he made a huge difference. They went from 1.15 1.15 XG per 90 to 1.5. So it was a big difference. So losing him obviously hurts. But with that being said, the competition around him, and we've already you know kind of touched on it, but when you get outside the top six, I mean, you can make an argument for a lot of different teams to finish in that seventh spot. And Brentford, if everything goes according to plan and they continue to play it the way they did last year, and they added a few young pieces that I really like that can give them some good depth and you know, I'm a big fan of Keen Lewis Potter from whole city. I think him playing a left wing along with Tony and and Buemo is going to be huge for them. I think five to one's just a little too high for uh, a team that was eight, had the eighth best expected goal differential. And also there was a point in the middle of the season last year where Brentford, Ivan, Tony was out. Sergi Canos was out. David Raya was out and they got, they got beaten up by Southampton and a couple other teams. So you can factor that in along with Christian Eriksen helping them towards the end of the season. I do believe in the bees and I believe that they should not be priced around a relegation uh, battle. That's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I don't, I don't see that at all. So and, you know, health's obviously big for them, you know, as it is with any of these lower type clubs, you know, if, if Tony and, and Buemu and, and one other guy gets hurt, I mean, it could crater very fast. Um, but the price on Brentford is too good at plus 500 to finish in the top 10. And I'm with you guys also on, on Palace. I'm just echoing everything you guys have already said. So my two main bets are Palace plus 275 for top 10 and Brentford plus 500. Uh, Brentford is the only team in the Premier League that won't have a new kit this year. They go on a on a two-year cycle. To, so you get a, a more mileage out of, out of your kit as a fan. Uh, Anthony, anything for you, top 10 market? 
Yeah, I'll echo the sentiments of Palace. You mentioned why you like Palace. I'll talk about some of their new additions that I, I happen to really like. Adding Richards, one, we love our Americans in the Prem, but two, I think a lot of it is uh, his ability to be a, a good ball-playing center back alongside Gahey. We're not exactly sure what the minutes breakdown will look like there, but I think it fits the profile of what they wanted. And check the Corre, adding him from France. Pretty impressive profile of a, of a player who can do some ball winning, who can do some passing, does a little bit of everything. He's not going to be some elite, you know, game-changing player, but good depth to help replace Connor Gallagher. Uh, they're going to lose his scoring punch, which I think will hurt. But what we saw from them last season, top six defensive team in the league, I think they can maintain a top eight or nine defensive team this year based on their personnel. We might even see some three at the back, which is what's kind of been rumored, which will be really interesting. But I like Palace generally because they also have good depth in attack. We, we, may, we named all the names. They didn't have good finishing seasons from a lot of those guys and still put together enough. And I think that's going to be the case again. The only thing with Brentford that kind of scares me, we love them because they cashed a lot for us as a big underdog against these big six teams. What if that just doesn't happen this year? What if, what if, what if like, yeah, they're not great team who loses to better teams. They don't get 10 points off the top six. Uh, That's the only scary thing that I think the market is pretty sour on them for. I'm still going to bet them at home when they play Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs. Like, I'm probably going to do this song and dance all year where I'm like, well, I'm kind of not sure about Brentford. And then the market just shows them zero respect because they're like plus 300 to be relegated. And they're, I think, fifth worst, fourth worst. And, And like, I don't think they're that bad, but I could see a world where they are. And if the attack just doesn't fire without Ericsson and they look like that second half of the team, team who couldn't score for a while and then was just kind of hanging on for dear life until Erickson kind of provided that jolt. And then they shot right back up at the end of the season. If they don't get that, I think it could get really dicey for Brentford, but uh, there's also a world where yes, that positive regression comes and they end up in the top 10. I don't hate them as a long shot, but I, I like palace. I think they're a good, good value bet at plus two seventy five to get into the top 10. All right, let's talk relegation here. Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest and Fulham are the, are the new teams in the Premier League promoted. It's nice to have Nottingham Forest back in a Premier League. Last time they were up, Anthony, probably before you were born. So your first look at the, the former European champions. Uh, Two time. Yeah. A, a, an absolute massive club back in uh, the 70s and 80s. But, and they're back along with yeah, Fulham and Bournemouth, who are yo-yoing back and forth between the championship and the Premier League of late. Uh, Bournemouth are your favorites to be relegated. Minus 190. The only team odds on forced are plus 110, Fulham plus 120, Leeds plus 225, Brentford plus 250, Southampton three to one, Everton three and a half to one, seven to two, uh, Wolves five to one, Palace five and a half to one, Brighton eight to one, Villa 12 to one, Leicester 14 to one, uh, Newcastle, West Ham in the mid 20s. And that's really all we should get into because the other team's hell freezes over maybe. But BJ, let's start with you for your favorite bet to get relegated here. Well, I think it's all our favorite bets, Wolves 5-1. to one. I mean, we talked with them so much last year about the overperformance, and it's just insane. I mean, 10th place, 51 points, minus 5 actual goal differential. If you looked at that, you'd probably say, okay, they're a mid-level club. Like, who really cares? They'll probably finish 11th, 10th, something like this year. Minus 24.4 expected goal differential, 40.5 expected points, which would put them in 17th place. 
So we're getting a decent price on them at five to one. I don't think Jose saw is the greatest keeper in the world. I'll just say it. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I went and did a little research because he had the best uh, post shot uh, XG plus minus last year at plus 9.6 over the last two or three years. basically since we started kind of tracking this type of metric, it's happened a couple of times, you know, Hugo Yoris has done it a couple of times, but I view him as a pretty, you know, well-rounded, you know, one of above average keeper. Fabianski did it, had over a plus 10 at West Ham in 2018-19. The following season, he went minus. Dubreka in 2020-2021 uh, season for Newcastle, he had over plus 10. He went down to plus one the next year. So I don't think that Jose Sa is going to continue to save shots the way that he has been. And if Wolves continues to play ultra compact and give up a ton of shots, especially inside the box, because they gave up around seven and a half shots per 90 inside the 18 yard box, which was the fourth worst mark in the premier league. They're going to regress a lot defensively. And, you know, offensively it just came out, you know, Jimenez is hurt for a little while and I don't really know where the goals are coming from this team. You know, you can say NATO's back. He's healthy. Okay. That's fine. You know, Chang is going to be up top, but I don't really see where it's coming from. I mean, nobody on their team had over a, a 0.25 XG per 90 last year. I mean, this offense was, was terrible for large stretches of the season. I mean, at one point, I mean, if you go from January 1st on, uh, the average 0.95 actually per 90 minutes, they only accumulated over one expected goal six times in the last 20 matches. So at five to one, it's a really good price on a team that's due for a lot of negative regression if they continue to play this style uh, continually. So I think you have to play Wolves at at plus 500 uh, for relegation. One thing uh, on Wolves, I I agree with you. I think that they're a good punt on um, to be relegated here here's their opening schedule Leeds, fulham spurs newcastle bournemouth southampton you probably could get a if they go through that pretty well which they probably should like you'd expect them to put you know a couple points in the bank against you know, fulham bournemouth and you know southampton Leeds. you might be able to get a better number so you can kind of do a song and dance with with wolverhampton and, and maybe uh wait for to see if they start hot people get you know tongues get wagging that, that maybe that bruno lage the revolution is truly starting now yeah with uh wolves overs yeah with, with the wolves overs <laughs> um the relegation bet i like I, I think outside of wolves is uh some sports books will post uh exact or rele- relegation exactas or or uh, trebles and so you have to p- bet all three teams the three teams i i wanted to bet 80 to 1 on bournemouth fulham leicester uh, hmm. those, those, that's my hmm. favorite long shot, you know, put in your pocket, sprinkle a little Christmas money on, uh, on Lester to get relegated. And that's how I would do it. Put them with, with two other teams, Anthony, what's your favorite relegation bet? Yeah. I'm going to back you up on wolves. I'm going to say that I agree with wolves. We can talk a little bit more about it. You know, the one thing that I was kind of curious to go through and see was, okay, is it true that maybe because they were winning all these games, let's say they got lucky early in games, and because they were winning, they were just sitting back and kind of just defending what they had. And because Saw was so good, they got away with it. And that maybe if they weren't winning all the time, they wouldn't have given away as many chances, right? That's like a theory, a game, you know, the classic game state argument that people will make people made it for Tottenham a couple of years ago when they would go up one, no, and then just sit there. And then they kept tying Wolves last season, when tied or losing, so that's they needed a goal. The, the objective was we need to go score a goal. Only created 0.9 expected goals for per 90. 
That's the fourth worst in the Prem. So their attack might be a bigger story than their defense because yes, we don't expect Jose Sada to continue on this run, but they were downright terrible uh, in attack last season. And I think the injury to Jimenez, that means that they're pretty much rolling out Huang Hee Chen as their striker. And I'm not buying him long-term in this league. So, you know, there, there's, there's a problem there. And, and the other thing is the second half of the season, it continued to get worse. Even if they, you know, they were chasing for Europe uh, and they had a legitimate chance to, to get into Europe. They were fourth worst defensively in XG against second half. That being said, I, I did bet some wolves. That was the first bet I made. I wanted to make sure that I, it was symbolic. So my first bet was wolves to be relegated. My second bet was leads on the money line against Wolves in the first week of the season. So <laughs> I, I've, 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 <laughs> I'm going to go poor this year with this damn Jose saw guy. Uh, but you know what? We're going down with the ship. So my actual favorite relegation bet besides Wolves, of course, is Nottingham Forest because I do think Ooh. the market is overreacting to all of these signings. I mean, every time I check sports books, their odds just keep going up and I get it. Like Jesse Lingard is cool. And Taiwo Iwani is cool. Uh, and we like Nico Williams, but they were not good in the championship. And we and I know Michael likes Steve Cooper. And, and maybe I'll look dumb in like three weeks when this there this year is Brentford and they made some really smart signings and they've improved their team enough to stay up. But the baseline of how low they are starting from is so low that I can't get them to be odds. There's a plus 120 out there. You can't get me to the point where they should be plus money to be relegated, minus money to stay up because their XG4 in the championship last year was fifth. Their XG against was seventh. So they weren't even good enough to really get promoted. They kind of luck boxed their way into some good results. First luck box reference of the season. Um, so I'm going to take Forrest and I'm going to say that even if they improve, which I do think they'll be better than their numbers were in the championship, they added some decent players. I don't think they get them far enough. Yeah. To your point, Anthony, uh, just for everybody out there. So coming up to the premier league from the championship is it's the hardest league to do. It's the hardest league to stay up. Uh, I went back and, uh, you know, did a data set to 2014 when, you know, expected also was widely being tracked in most leagues and expand the championship as well. Essentially, coming up using the expected goals from your season in the championship, comparing it to the season first season in the Premier League, your expected goals for go down by about 31%, and your expected goals allowed go up by about 51%. So, to your point, Nottingham Forest had about a plus 0.3 XG uh, per 90, XG differential per 90. If you know, basically, if I go through and do the math, they'd be minus 0.82. Uh, XG differential in the Premier League, which put them 19th this past year. And even if I give them, you know, positive adjustments for defensively for all these signings and positive adjustments for, you know, Awanawi and Lingard, I mean, I gave, I'll be honest, I gave them 0.15 and 0.25 uh, for defense. So I'm giving them basically a, a pretty significant bump for all these signings. And there's still, I still have them projected right on with Bournemouth. So I agree with you that they're one of the hardest teams projects. I probably will just pass on it, but I, I do agree with you that I don't, I mean, I get the Nottingham Forest love, but I think the market also, I agree with you that it is overreacting. And Taiwo was good in the Bundesliga, right? 0.55 yeah, XG it's the per same 90. System. So it's the same system. Like they're playing mm -hmm. the same formation. He's going to play a front two with probably Brennan Johnson would be my guess. So, mm -hmm. 
it's going to be the same system. He'll be, he hopefully will, but is he really going to be good if he's not getting three and a half, four shots per 90, if he's getting, you know, a half or one, is he really going to be that effective? So, um, yeah, the, the Bundesliga tax is real. And, and if you, you know, there was a certain striker last year and I think Taiwo is better than Woot, but you know, Woot came into the prem from a, like a two and a half shots per 90 in the Bundesliga type of role. And he wasn't even getting a shot per 90. He was getting like yeah. a shot. And for Burnley, and I know Burnley and Nottingham Forest are a little bit different, but are they, you know, like, yes, the managers are definitely different. The managers are definitely different. Yes. But Forest, like this midfield doesn't look like a midfield of a team who's going to be competitive in this league. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, they were one of the heaviest counterattacking teams in the championship last year. They had the most direct attacks of anybody. So I'm guessing they're probably going to play ultra defensive and then try to hit teams on the counter. So which is kind of what Union Berlin did in the Bundesliga. They like, they like the one team that like didn't press and like sat back and tried to counter. So, I mean, you can make the argument that it's the same system for Aonawi. Like, There's just not going to be that much space. Yeah, that, that this team is kind of used to not having the ball. But again, like it's it's going to be it's going to be a big time challenge to stay up for Forest. Yeah, I I think uh, Forest. I'm buying them. I I like Steve Cooper as a manager. I think the Brentford kind of drawing a line from, from Forrest to Brentford maybe is a little too convenient just because of their newly promoted status. But I think Forrest are going to take a couple big results in, in their first season uh, with Cooper at the helm. Uh, and like he, he's, he took over this team last year and just turned them into, a, like, like B just said, a counterattacking force that just didn't stop trudging up the championship table. Like they were, they were at the bottom of the league. I think they lost their first four games last year uh, in the championship and, and, and got promoted. It's, it's quite the story. I, I have no interest in betting them because I think the numbers are not worth getting into, uh, but on a game to game basis for, for sure. I'll be on the trees. Uh, all right, let's talk about our favorite markets, top and bottom at Christmas. Always love to sprinkle some, some money on, on, on these ones. And, and it'll be a little different this year uh, because usually you play the first game against every team in, in the, in the home and away by Christmas uh, this year because of the world cup, you won't. So there'll be, I think, what is it? BJ three games. Uh, yeah. So that- yeah, it'll be 16. Everybody gets plays barring obviously reschedulements for, for whatever uh, 16 games. So there's right. three teams that each team will not play before the world cup. So, so still a good you know chunk of your schedule, right? Third of your schedule. So I've got two, I got a top and a bottom. I want to start with the bottom uh, Leicester city, 40 to one to be bottom at Christmas. And there's a little game theory here. Uh, I think that, Leicester City with Brendan Rodgers with the same kind of core team has just they've they've peaked they've now slowly kind of slunk downwards and they need a reboot right they need like an infusion somewhere and maybe they're getting it uh you know with with um you know Harvey Barnes and uh the guy whose name sounds like a uh almost like a sports book uh Dewsbury Hall, <laughs> not not a sports book, like a like a, like a, a music venue, a music venue. Uh, Dewsbury Hall. He's gonna play. He's probably gonna play a lot when yeah. Yeah. the the they just need they need something like Pats and Doc is fun, whatever. But there's there's a world here where where they just are going to the season as a lame duck. They've had no transfer business in or out. Don't really have, see them linked to anybody except for exits, right? Telemans, Schmeichel, like there's. I could see this really bottoming out for Leicester and by backing them to finish last at Christmas, you're getting them, you're getting like a shorter runway, which is good. I think with this type of team, because are they going to get relegated? Probably not. Are they going to finish last in the table? Probably not over 38 games. Like 
Bournemouth, Fulham, Forest. Like these these teams are much worse than Leicester, Southampton too, like Wolves. But over a shorter shorter period, you can see it happening. Like it's one six game, you know, losing streak or winless streak away from being in a lot of trouble. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, like this, this bet's alive. So Leicester city, uh, 40 to one finished bottom for me, Anthony, your thoughts on Leicester and some Christmas bets from you. Yeah. I don't have any Christmas bets. I know BJ did some good work on this, so I'm going to let him do that, but I do agree with you on the Leicester to be in the bottom half. I took them plus a hundred. The thing with Leicester city was that they had a really young team like two or three years ago. We kept saying, Oh, they're going to take the step forward. They're going to take the step forward and they just haven't gotten better. They've actually gotten worse. And I understand that set pieces were a big part of why they struggled last year. And I don't expect that to continue at the extent that it did. But if they lose Schmeichel, I mean, who's playing in goal? They haven't made it clear on that. Danny Ward. Yeah, he's been the captain forever. And that's like a big loss. Um, Barty is at the age now where you just expect him to be injured a good amount of the time. And you also expect that there's going to be some downturn or decline in his performance and his production, even though we didn't really see it in the limited minutes he played last year. Pats and Daka looked good, but the, the minutes weren't there for me to believe in it, him doing it over a full 38. Uh, Ian Nacho took a huge step backwards. Madison and Barnes were okay, but Madison may be leaving too. So there's all kinds of uncertainty. Tielemans doesn't do a lot of defensive work. He's kind of just a passer and they don't really get enough from Ndidi. So there's there's all these pieces where like, yeah, these, this guy could be good. This guy could be good. We're like, that's a great bit of business. You know, Samare last year we thought was going to be a big, a great signing. And then he just kind of wasn't. Uh, so there's all these like pieces that we thought were going to fit together really well. And then sometimes it just doesn't happen. And what ended up actually happening was that Leicester ran really well. And despite being outside the top 10 in pretty much every metric you could possibly look at, they found themselves in the top 10 by the year's end. So I'm selling Leicester this year. I think Rogers first manager fired is live. I think there's a good chance they, they make no signings. I remember, I remember Spurs made no signings. They had had a great season here before. Didn't make any signings. Things got stale. They turned on the manager. They fired him. They were horrible. I think there's a chance Leicester does the same thing. So maybe that's convenient as well. Like Michael said, you know, a team I like and a recency bias, but I, I'm, I'm selling Leicester pretty hard in this, uh, this 2022 season. And uh, we'll see how that goes for me. Yeah, I mean, it didn't go well for us last year. We were trying to do that all, all season and, and they kept, especially in the like kind of dog days of winter, uh, we're, we're getting results, scratching results I mean, out. Were, I mean, I was betting on them at some point, like like the, the Liverpool games, but yeah, yeah well, I mean, generally, of course. generally speaking, uh, yeah. they had some pretty fortunate results there. They, the they were kind of like the anti-Palace where Palace finished on, I think, 42 points and 52 expected points. Leicester was the opposite, a 10 uh, point delta in in between their expected points and their actual points in the going in the wrong direction. So yeah, Leicester team that I'll be betting against um, in the future market and then on a game to game basis. With as Brentford. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, schedule was terrible out of the yeah, gate. That, can I read it off really quick? Because it's 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 it, it it's adds into the bet. Yeah, it's Bre- yeah Brentford, Arsenal, Southampton, Chelsea, Manchester United, Brighton, Aston Villa, Tottenham. So yeah, yeah we, pretty- have, we have to bet first manager fired. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think legal books are going to offer it. So maybe we'll have to we'll have to find our way to sleuth it in. But uh, we are going to do our Wonder Goal trip to London. Yes, uh, and we're going to find a market where we can get down. That is Brent- that's Brent- how Brent- we would Rogers. end up. Yep. That's how. What we are end the actual up. odds on that? Twelve to one. He was in the double digits. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little. Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. BJ, uh, Christmas bets. Southampton, six to one to be bottom at Christmas. So the schedule actually matters this year for bottom at Christmas. So we're going to play 16 matches. November 12th is the cutoff. We're coming back on Boxing Day. Southampton and Fulham are the only two teams that are going to have to play all big six teams before the World Cup. The three teams that Southampton is not going to play before the World Cup, it's going to be Brighton, Nottingham Forest, and Bournemouth. That's a tough schedule when you don't have to play those three teams. And it's a Southampton team that, you look, listen, I think we were all touting them for relegation last year. They, they somehow you know went on a big stretch in the middle of the season, survived. I mean, we're in, what, year three, four of ha- Hassan Hoodle Ball. Uh, I mean, this team just burns out so quickly from all the pressing. Uh, they made some signings this summer, a lot of young guys to try to maybe get more depth. But Broja's gone. He was a massive part of their attack. They're going to roll with Che Adams and Adam Armstrong as their front two in the 4-4-2 or whatever formation he's going to switch it to that's not going to work. I mean, that's maybe the worst striking duo in the Premier League, truly. So you have that. And then you have that coupled with the fact that, yes, if you look at their goals allowed and uh, based on in the XG allowed, you know, it's about a 10 goal difference, you know, 68 allowed off 58 expected. But I mean, this team allowed 71 big scoring chances last year. That was the by far and away the worst mark in Premier League, more than Norwich of all teams. This team, especially with how hard their schedule is getting, leading up till Christmas, I mean, this could get bad really fast for Southampton. So I think six to one is a fantastic price. You know, three to one uh, on them to be relegated, I think also is 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 a decent price. You know, 538 has them about plus 230 to be relegated. So you're getting a little bit of value on that. And, you know, the second half drop-off is real for them. I mean, last year, January 1st on, fourth worst expected goal differential and expected points. So We'll see. I mean, Southampton's like their their day is coming at some point if they continue with Hassan Hoodle. So uh, I'm going to bet that this that's going to be this year. So uh, six to one to be bottom at Christmas, I think, is a fantastic bet given obviously how difficult their schedule is going to be. Are we too hard on Ralph? I mean, I think, I think we like that team's. Ter- you just mentioned it. That team's terrible. The fact that they were playing as well as they were at certain points last season, I think, is a credit to Hassan Hoodle. They just don't. They just don't back him. I mean, they buy these terrible players. They buy a lot of cheap options and hope they become good players when they're young. And then Hassan just has them run around a bunch. I, I think Hassan Hoodle would be second on my first manager fired list because similar to Rogers, you just see that you see the case. You mentioned the tough schedule. They go into the world cup bottom of the table. Is he coming back after the world cup? Like, I feel like that's, that might be the inflection point for the, the, the first manager fired. Like who's going in, I think like that's an incredibly correlated bet. You know, you're looking at Southampton, you're like, okay, they go into the World Cup in dead last. Leicester's way down the table. Neither of them are going to have a ton of players at the actual World Cup. Could be a good time to say, hey, we got a month off. Let's get a new manager in here. Uh, and so I think Southampton's also live for that uh, and Hassan Hoodle, even though I think Hassan Hoodle got hard done by here. But you mentioned, I mean, the team's terrible. If Ward Prowse just dials back the magic a little bit and that <laughs> runs out, they're in, they're in serious trouble. 10 goals off of like what five and change expected last year. For yeah. Ward and like, Prowse. you can just say he's always going to be great at that, but there, there comes a time where he may just be okay for a season. And that might be enough to relegate them. Uh, one topic, but Christmas the number is not there for me. 
for relegation. I mean, yeah, it's too short. Plus five, yeah, three to one's too short. That's why I'm. That's why I like Christmas six to one, just because the they, they were they were plus five fifty last year. I think they're considerably similar, and they actually did blow more leads than anybody else last year. That's another thing that should be noted. Like, you could argue the way they press, they run out of gas, maybe, but they also just dropped more points from winning positions than any team in the league last year. That tends to be generally noisy. Uh, the the topic Christmas bet I like I teased this before I like Spurs ten to one, twelve to one to win the title and ten to one to be top at Christmas. It is crazy. Different. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense. So uh, I'll take Spurs at uh, ten to one. I might I might have to sprinkle that. Yeah. Uh, what a great what a great Christmas that'll be. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what we were top at Christmas like I think it was we were either top at, we were top on December seventeenth. With in the Mourinho, with Mourinho year. yeah, yeah, with yeah. Mourinho. And, yep. and then they ended up in in seventh. So yeah, and they were know, Christmas. Christmas can be misleading. You know, yeah, yeah. Is, Ever, yeah. Everton, hey, Everton, you know the Everton last was... time Arsenal was top at Christmas. I don't know. It was, or they, they were top at New Year's, or they were top at some point in that was week. It the Leicester year. It was the Leicester year, but remember, yeah, Spurs, they fit... Spurs bottled the title. But yes, okay. one of the great, one of my greatest moments as an Arsenal fan was the um, Ozil uh, free kick to uh, Danny Welbeck for the header. Arsenal wins two one over Leicester. I thought they were winning the league, and it uh, didn't happen. No, Leicester won it. Uh, yeah, Leicester won it over yeah. Arsenal and Spurs. Yeah. I, uh, picked, uh, I picked. I picked Ronieri to be first manager fired that year. So maybe that means they were so bad the year before. I mean, we don't have to. They were so bad the year before. Uh, They pulled off a great escape the year before. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's talk about Golden Boot Market, uh, and then we'll talk about other bets, and we'll get out of here. Um, Also, I I should note that, like I said, we 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 did a a point total draft with Alan Shapiro from FML FPL Podcast. Uh, So if we haven't touched on, we've we've touched on almost all teams in, in the league, but there's a few like Everton. Uh, that we haven't really sunk our teeth into yet. Um, that podcast, which will come out on Monday, uh, is is a good one to listen to 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 kind of get our thoughts as as a group on on all twenty teams. But now we'll shift from teams to players. Let's look at the Golden Boot. Uh, no surprise here, Erling Holland coming over to Man City. Finally, he is your favorite plus two seventy five to score the most goals. Harry Kane five to one, Mo Salah five to one. Uh, Gabriel Jesus is 12 to one now at Arsenal. Darwin Nunez, for some reason, is 14 to one uh, in his Ugh. first season at Liverpool. Gosh, uh, these young, people. I mean, uh, come on. Uh, Sonny is uh, 14 to one. Ronaldo, 14 to one. Our uh, consensus pick is 25 to one. I'll, I'll just leave it at that before I spoil it. Uh, Raheem Sterling, 25 to one. Jamie Vardy, 25 to one. Uh, Julian Alvarez, 25 to one. Uh, Callum Wilson, 35 to one. Can he stay healthy? Uh, Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Luis Diaz, and Kai Averts, also 35 to 1. We'll touch on some long shots as well, but let's stop there. Anthony, um, like I said, all three of us like one bet in that 25 to 1 range. You're the Liverpool fan on the podcast, so we'll let you uh, dive into it. Yeah, I mean, it's all about opportunity, right? And Diego Jota had a lot of competition at his positions last year with Mane taking some striker minutes, Firmino taking striker minutes. He did still get a decent amount of minutes. And when he was playing in those minutes, he was incredibly good. Uh, he was uh, you know, fourth in the league in XG per 90. And I think he was getting a lot of shots. And now those minutes are gone for Firmino, potentially, likely, and Mane being gone. They do bring in Darwin Nunez. But it seems to me, based on the preseason, you know, Klopp was talking the other day saying, look, you can't expect him to just walk right in and, and be at his top level. He's going to take some time to gel in. And I think that will definitely be the case for him, especially in a system like Liverpool's. Uh, he's a little bit different from how the traditional Liverpool striker front three 
group kind of goes. He's not like a Luis Diaz, uh, where that was a much more seamless transition. But we've seen with Jota that Jota fits generally what Liverpool has traditionally done better than Nunez. Now, that doesn't mean that Liverpool won't change. And I do think Nunez in the long run will be fine. I know BJ is a little bit more skeptical and I understand why, but I'm buying Jota as the main striker for this team with Salah and Diaz next to them. Uh, I don't love that he's not on pens, but at 25 to one, given his goals per 90 record, given his XG per 90 record, I think he's a pretty good shoe in if he gets the minutes to be in the top five. So at 25 to one, it's worth a shot for me. I also don't hate a Gabby Jesus look, but the number's not quite there for me. Yeah, it should be higher. If he was 25, 25 right. to one, I'd buy Jesus, but 14 to one, I get it. Look, he's a striker for Arsenal, but he's not going to be on pens. And so, you know, it's just very hard. Well, one thing about uh, Jota that I think this might be getting too in the weeds with a bet like this is he's so good in the air. And the service on Liverpool is just ridiculous with Robertson and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. So um, he scores in, in, in a variety of different ways. Great finisher. And, and I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be kind of ab- above Diaz and Nunez in the pecking order right now. Uh, just he, he hasn't he hasn't done anything to play himself out of that. So um, he's, he's also versatile. Like I, he could play on the wing yeah. if they go Salah, Jota, Nunez too. If Diaz is going to come off the bench or you know, they're going to play a lot of matches again. So there's going to be a lot of rotation. So um, I, I I think there's all kinds of buy signals on Jota. Yeah. Um, I, I have another long shot. I'll get to him in, in a sec. But BJ, uh, what are you looking at here? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. Jota's 25 to one. You guys already mentioned he plays. He's going to play the Firmino central role would be my, I'd imagine that was Klopp's going to do. I think it'd be a massive mistake to just throw Nunez in there day one and just hope that he's going to be this out and out striker. He might end up eventually be that, but um, I mean, if he's playing in the central role for essentially the one first or second best offense in the premier league, that's going to score, you know, 90 plus goals, like as a team, like that's incredibly valuable. You know, he had 3.27 shots per 90 last year, only Kane, Ronaldo and Salah topped that he was third in, in total XG. So you're getting essentially the, the third best, pretty much the third best option in terms of, you know, shots per 90 and XG at 25 to one. So it's, it's too good of a price to pass up. He also had a better XG per shot than Ronaldo Kane and Salah as well. So, uh, you know, like you already mentioned, Anthony with Mane gone, it gives him a ton more breathing room. So I would assume he's the, you know, central option in that Firmino type role for Liverpool, which will give him ample opportunity to win the golden boot. Uh, a couple long shots. I like here, Phil Foden. There, there's a world where Erling Holland just, it doesn't gets work, gets hurt. Yeah. Something happened, right? Like, let's just say he just has an off year. And I still know that the wealth will still be spread uh, in city with, with Mares, De Bruyne, Julian Alvarez, et cetera. You can find bets on like PFL player of the year or PFA player of the year too. If you look hard enough. Uh, and I like Foden in that market too, at a, at a, at a big price. I just think this is going, this is going to be the year where he kind of steps into that echelon of players, like where De Bruyne is and, and Salah and, uh, and so forth. So I'm just betting on a huge year from Foden now that Jesus and Sterling have kind of moved out. Uh, so like Anthony said, it's all about opportunity. Do I think this is a great bet? It probably should be a little bit longer, uh, but he'd be my favorite bet in this range. I don't mind Saka either uh, on Arsenal. So those are the two guys that kind of have my interest in, in this range. BJ, you have any long shots? Yeah, I'm going to play Jared Bowen at 40 to one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Skamaka, the striker they brought in. Antonio showed that even if he stays healthy for an entire season, he's not a consistent goal scoring threat for them. And listen, 
what I'm betting on here at 40 to one, and I do, you know, the odds I would like 50 to one or greater, but I, I'm just a huge fan of Jared Bowen. I think he's probably the best winger outside of any of the, you know, top six teams. There was a stretch for about a month last year where he scored five goals in five matches. He had about like a 0.75 XG per 90. He was getting, you know, three and a half shots per 90. Now he's not going to, you know, sustain that over a full season, but if he can do that for two, three, maybe four months, there is a scenario where he potentially just goes ballistic and really threatens for the, you know, for the golden boot. If some of the guys at the top, either they get injured or they're not playing as much because they're focusing on champions league or whatever it is where Jared Bowen kind of just slides into that golden boot type discussion. So I think 40 to one is a decent price on him uh, to potentially win the golden boot. Who's going to be on pens for Arsenal? It would be Saka. Saka. I'd imagine. I mean, they might make it yeah. easy. Just, I, I don't know. I mean, it, either one's fine. Yeah, I mean, Saka was the like, yeah. Saka was the one taking him last year towards the end of the season. So yeah, right. I, I, I think I mean, naturally it'd be Alba and then it was Laka, but then neither of them were playing. Yeah. That, that's an interesting question. Cause like, you know, Saka does interest me if he's yeah. on pens. If he's not on pens, I have no interest. I just don't, I think there's too much sharing there. But yeah, Saka becomes interesting if you can manage to get, figure out who's going to be on pens. But I, I, I haven't, I have to go look now through the friendlies. I don't know if they've had a pen, but I'd be curious to see who took it. Uh, all right, let's uh, wrap this puppy up. Like I said, Monday. English Premier League point total draft uh, with Alan Shapiro of the FML FPL podcast. Tuesday, these two fine gentlemen break down the other European leagues with their favorite bets across Europe. Thursday, we're back for a week one preview. Favorite bets, we'll go game by game, favorite underdogs, and we'll also sprinkle in some bets across Europe. Uh, But before we get out of there, just a couple other bets that we should touch on. Um, Kulisevsky, most assists, 33 to 1. Oh. Don't don't hate that at all with, with I mean, that's uh, fun. Oh, the attacking prowess on, I'll that. on Spurs. I'm, I'm a, I think I may have to hop in there. Yeah. Uh, so because he's going to play 30 matches if he's healthy. Right. Richarlison, Son, and Kane. Yeah. Enough people to feed here. Um, but an interesting thing about the most assist market. Salah won last year. Harry Kane won the year before. It's been the the Golden Boot winners also won uh, the, the most assists. So it's it's a it's a weird one where you'd assume that it would yeah, be. I mean, Kane and Salah are just really good. Yeah, but it, you just would assume it'd be that <laughs> it would be it would be you know Trent Alexander Arnold or, or or Mane or their running mate, right? Like it would be Son uh, if it was Kane. Uh, but yeah, I like I like Kulusevski thirty three to one. Kane sixteen to one. I didn't hate that either, but I would take the double the odds on, on Kulusevski. Uh, and like I said before, I like Palace uh, without the big six at 14 to one. If I had to pick a favorite bet before the season, it would either be Leicester 40 to one at bottom at Christmas or the Palace without the big six. So essentially to finish seventh, uh, 14 to one. Uh, Anthony, what other bets are you thinking about here? Where'd you find the Kulisevsky? Because I'm going to bet it. That's at bet three, six, five. Okay. I'm going to bet that because last season, there's only one player in the league that played more than 10 matches and had a better assist per 90 than Dayan Kulisevsky. And he no longer plays in the league. It's Paul Pogba. Remember he had like 18 assists yeah. in the first two weeks and then he, he got hurt. But if Kulu's healthy, uh, Harvey Barnes is up there. Actually, Mo Salah was one, two, three, fifth behind Reese James, Matt Doherty was sixth. Um, so that kind of just shows you like the Spurs thing. Uh, they do a lot of ball progression up the wings. And so I'm, I'm in on Kulisevsky. I love that bet. Now that you mentioned it, I hadn't even it's thought a, about it. It's a throwback to uh, 
or pre Wonder Girl days when when BJ was 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 touting him. Ruslan, to baby, Ruslan Malinovsky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, had, he did get an assist, I think, in the Euros. Yeah, that's BJ's favorite. favorite I think he had market. two. Yeah, he had two. But then um, I think it was Zuber, Stevan Zuber. I don't yeah. think he was yeah. on Switzerland. Board one. He had three in one game for the Swiss <laughs> against the Turks. Wasn't he on Oz board and won it? Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> BJ, you have any other bets before we? BJ we just can't get complain. Out of? He won a golden boot ticket at the Euros. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that when we talk about the Bundesliga. Um, yeah, I like uh, on points bet. You can do top Midlands club, which is Leicester, Aston Villa, Wolves, Nottingham Forest. Aston Villa is not the favorite. They're plus 135. Leicester is the favorite around plus 110. I don't get that at all. We've already talked at length about Leicester. I mean, Aston Villa under Gerard, they were about an even expected goal differential. They were, you know, mid-table club. Leicester, you know, cratered defensively. I don't see them getting any better. We've already talked about Wolves and their overperformance. And then Nottingham Forest, a team that I'm not, is going to be probably near the relegation fight. So, there's no reason why Aston Villa shouldn't be a pretty heavy favorite to be top Midlands club. So plus 135, if you're looking for another way, if you're like, you know what, I, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't really see Leicester getting relegated. I don't see Wolves getting relegated, but I really kind of want to bet against them. Well, then just bet Aston Villa to be top Midlands club at plus 135. It's a great way to fade both teams. So that is uh, my favorite one. And then I'll throw in Brentford 20 to one for winner without the big six come up. I'm just all in on the bees. I love Back them the so bees. much. I, I love them so much. And I really do think they're going to get that positive regression, kind of similar to what Brighton kind of did this last year. I mean, it wasn't great, but they did finish ninth. So, and Cast there's just top I half mean, plus I mean, one, seventh plus place. Is just, seventh place is just totally up for grabs right now. Yeah. So I'll take the longest shot on the board that I think has the most realistic shot of uh, getting there. We have not talked about Fulham. I want to talk about Fulham plus 125, top promoted team. Look, I came into this believing that Fulham was clearly better than Bournemouth, or, or sorry, solidly better than Bournemouth and clearly better than Nottingham Forest, like miles better. And I understand this whole yo-yo thing, the yo-yo back, the yo-yo fourth. But what Fulham did in the championship last year was not what normal teams do to normal leagues. And I think when you look at their numbers from 2019-20 in the championship, where they were pretty fortunate, I mean, they were good. They were good enough to come up, but not like, whoa. And then they were... That, that same team then went to the Premier League and was not bad enough to be relegated. They were around 15th-ish in expected goal difference. They went down because of some bad finishing. Then they went down, and then they just destroyed the league. Now, I understand they're not built for the Prem. You can make arguments on that. But they're definitely better than Bournemouth, who has not improved at all and was worse last year. Fulham hasn't made many changes. And the Forest gap, we already talked about it. Forest may have gotten better, but they have not closed the gap. So I'm going to take the plus 125 on Fulham to be the top promoted team. Yeah, to echo that point, Anthony, because I had that note written down. The last two times they went from the championship to the, the Prem in the championship, plus 0.35 XG differential per 90, 2017-18, plus 0.13 XG differential in 1920. Not even that good. 1.33 this past yeah. season in the championship. I mean, it's just yeah. addressing. And they actually made some... I kind of like the signings they made. I like Solomon from uh, from Shakhtar. You know, Paulinho is actually a decent midfielder from Sporting. So, like, I think they and Babu gives them a nice depth and experience at right back. Like, it's this is not that bad of a team. And I I agree with you. I do think they're they are way better than Forest and Bournemouth. So I'm going to tell you on that one and, and ride with you on on Fulham. You guys, yeah, uh, I just think the narrative's a little too crazy on this. Like, oh, they're and, you know what? So I'm just a huge fan of Marco Silva. Yeah, He's yeah, a that's great the thing, manager. Right? <laughs> He's never, ever just taken a uh, club 
totally down with him. He only brings them up. So, you know, Marco Silva, <laughs> um, Silva and Scott Parker. Both Scott Parker handsome. sold one to first be first manager fire is interesting. I'll say that too. I'm against them. I think that they're the worst team in the, in the league um, by far. So I'll be back in their point total under, um, but you can listen to that on our point total draft, which will come out Monday morning. Then once again, like I said, Tuesday morning, BJ and Anthony go through the other European leagues. Thursday morning, we're back, baby. Looking ahead at match week one, go through all 10 games in Premier League, a bunch of games in Europe, give out our favorite bets and our favorite underdogs. And we'll, we'll wrap those up into a parlay that we'll lose. But man, it's just so good to be back. The oh, Prem yeah. is back um, Friday, August 5th. So for Anthony DeBundo, BJ Cunningham, you'll be hearing a lot more from us coming up in over the next good god there's a lot of soccer coming our way because we also got the world cup man it's gonna be fun it's a lot i'm excited 10 months a nice 10 month marathon coming your way um this has been wonder goal we thank you for listening and uh see you guys on the other side of the weekend